First a pop, then a bang. Alaska Airlines 1282 had just taken off from Portland last Friday night. Then the whooshing noise as air was sucked out of the pressurized cabin from an emergency exit-sized gash blowing out from row 26. Mercifully, everyone had their seatbelts on, not yet at cruising height, but one row behind the gash, a little boy's teddy bear was sucked out the hole, along with his t-shirt off his back. It could have been a lot worse, but thankfully, 177 souls landed safely back in Oregon. All Boeing MAX 9 planes have been grounded in North America and Europe until safety inspections are completed. My last two flights with my wife were on these planes. Gives you a little pause, doesn't it? What a reminder for all of us that life is short. It could end today. Are you prepared to die? I have one word for you. Jesus. Welcome to Haven Today, here on Wednesday. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. Ahoy there, shipmate. Eight bells and all's well. Paul Evans and the crew of the good ship Grace coming to you once again from the harbor called Haven of Rest. Now, I know many of our listeners to Haven Today started listening to the Haven of Rest, probably, though, not back when we began in 1934. And what you just heard was how the program opened during the era of our second speaker, Paul Evans. And those sounds and styles have changed over our 90 years on the air. One thing hasn't. Haven has always been all about Jesus. And even as our fifth speaker, David Woland, has joined me on air this week, I'm confident to say he'll continue keeping it all about Jesus. So, David, it's great to have you again here with me on The Good Ship Grace. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. I think our predecessors would have answered that with something like, Ahoy there, shipmates. So I'll say that, and it's <laughs> good to be with you and all of our listeners. And I'm going to tack on to that and keep as many nautical puns going as possible. That I'm thankful you're not shipping off too soon. We've got a lot yet to do on the air together in the coming months as we're telling the great story that's all about Jesus together. Well, count me in, David. And we're calling the program series this week, Keeping It All About Jesus. We're going to relate an idea, a concept. We're going to show this idea in the Old Testament, but then how that concept carries over into the New Testament. But before that, David and I want to give you an invitation, offer you a challenge. Would you join us in reading God's Word all the way through this year? And that's why we've just released a new hardback book called Christ and All the Scriptures, Reading and Praying Through the Bible in a Year. With the book, there is the reading schedule that we're using, so you can check off each day's reading. We also include an introduction to each of the 66 books showing how all the scriptures point to Jesus, and we've even included suggested prayers. But the goal, and I really mean this, the goal is more than just your having better knowledge or greater knowledge. It's relationship, a deeper, a profound relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. But it's not just for you, it's for others, too, that you know. So after the program, come to our website, make your first gift of this new year, 
Don't just order one copy. Get more copies of Christ in all the scriptures. And there on our website, we've included the first several days of reading so you can get started even before your book or books arrive. So just come to visit our website, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Or, of course, you can call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And now let's open with a song taken from Matthew 11. Are you burned out from this busy life? Are you striving for success? Yeah, you work so hard just to get ahead for a wage of loneliness. Are you worn out on religious rules? Come away with me and you'll find my yoke, my child is good for you and my burden it is Scripture songs and hymns, that's Matt Papa opening this haven today, and Come to Me, taken from Matthew chapter 11, and a haven today called Keeping It All About Jesus. And David Wolin, you're joining me. You're going to be teaching here in a second, but thanks for being on with me. Charles, it's fun to keep this going. We've had a fun week, and I'm excited about our conversation today. Well, there's one thing I was just thinking about. Even though you left Haven, and now you've returned to Haven as our new president and speaker, and I'm going emeritus, some of our listeners might recognize your voice from another context. You did something on the air for us on another program that we put out, and I think you did it for a number of years, too, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. It was called, it still is called Anchor Today. In the radio world that we're in, we we would call it a one-minute feature uh, this was something that I had the privilege of getting off the ground for Haven back at the beginning of 2015. Actually, it was January 1st of 2015, so we just had our ninth birthday uh, for, for that particular feature. It's still going, and I recorded it and, and wrote it for five years, and now that I've come back, picked it up again. So I'll say one thing about it, Charles. The, the thing that makes Anchor Today special is that it always contains a verse of Scripture. That was how we created it. We thought, well, this yes. shouldn't be novel in a one-minute feature, but it is. We're always going to include God's Word, and then we're going to encourage our listeners with that. So that's Anchor Today. Mm. And that's on several hundred radio stations in North America every day as well, I might add. That's right. Anchor Today is what we call it. Well, let's, as I mentioned a moment ago, take a different approach at finding Christ in all the scriptures. Let's look at an idea. Let's look at a concept. Let's talk about rest. Let's talk about how it shows up in both the Old and New Testaments and how it leads us to Jesus. I guess, David, you're going to take the Old Testament side, but this idea of the promised land, a place, actually fits in with God's rest, doesn't it? 
Yeah, that's right. Rest is a theme with many layers of meaning, and they're all interconnected. But definitely, rest is connected to the promised land. And we see it show up in the Pentateuch, uh, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, And at this point in Israel's history, they haven't entered the land, so they're still looking forward to it. Yeah, it's really in a lot of places. I guess, David, I'm thinking about Numbers 13. Uh, Israel is presented with the opportunity to enter this rest, and the way they could enter God's rest was by entering the Promised Land. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's all through the Pentateuch, as you just said. Yeah, that's right. And let's just go to Numbers 13 then. Uh, for anyone who grew up going to Sunday school like I did, you you might have learned about this familiar story with flannel graph characters, uh, but it's definitely one of the most famous stories of the Old Testament, and it's certainly so in the book of Numbers. This is where Moses had sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan, and their job was to see what the land held, the people that were there, and to come back with a report. Because at that time, Joshua and the people didn't really know what was there. And so 12 spies went out, they came back, and 10 had a negative report. And the Canaanites, they said, were too strong, too numerous, too frightening to take on. And so For those 10, the place of God's promised rest looked like an impossible job, not just endless toil, but deadly toil to take them on. And so there at the edge of the promised land, we're seeing the people's fear of man is greater than their fear of the Lord, greater than their trust in him. They're walking by sight and not by faith. But of course, there were 12. That was just 10 of them. The other two, Joshua and Caleb, were full of faith and courage and trust, and they were the only two who would, in the end, live to see it and take possession. So let's listen now to how the Israelites responded to that negative report. This actually comes from the next chapter, Numbers 14. It says, All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If we had only died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? So God had promised them rest in this good land where he would dwell in their midst. But they decided they'd rather take their chances in the wilderness or worst to go back to captivity in Egypt. And this is a great offense to the Lord. Israel is basically telling Moses, we wish we hadn't been saved out of Egypt, out of slavery. It's so tragic. And what makes it all the more shocking is that Israel's forgetting exactly who and what they were saved from, from the oppressive grasp of the most powerful nation at that time. What the Lord did for them without any help from them at all by sending the 10 plagues and then parting the seas for them to walk through on dry ground, but they're forgetting all of that. By comparison, entering the promised land and taking on the Canaanites would have been nothing for the Lord, but they don't remember what the Lord has done. And the words of Joshua and Caleb reflect that truth. They say, by contrast, do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But that wasn't enough to change the mind of the people. And so now the Lord steps in 
What a terrifying episode this would have been to see the cloud which signals his presence suddenly shows up over the tent of meeting. God is ready to wipe them out, but Moses steps in and advocates for Israel, and then God relents. But here's the judgment for Israel. This is verses 22 and 23 from Numbers 14. Not one of those who saw my glory, God says, and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. And since Israel rejects God's rest, they're going to remain in the wilderness for 40 more years. And none of the adults, except for those two faithful spies, none of them who saw the exodus out of Egypt are actually going to come and enter the promised land. And then from here in the Old Testament, the storyline goes on. We're going to see glimpses of the promised rest, but only for short seasons, only a specific category of that rest. It never shows up in completion. Um, Right now, skipping forward, Charles, I'm thinking of 2 Samuel 7 and the chapter where God makes his covenant with David, promising a forever king on a forever throne. That chapter starts with, after the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, but then the storyline goes on and the rest doesn't last. And so that was the high point of Israel's history. David can't deliver, but there's one coming who can. Mm. Now, Charles, I've been preaching here long enough. Why don't you pick up that thread and pull on it a little bit and take us into the New Testament? I feel like I have the easier job here, David. (laughs) Well, (laughs) this picture of physical rest in the promised land leads to the theme of rest continuing in the ministry of Jesus. And uh, we just heard David Wollen tell us Israel rejected God's rest. Well, Jesus offers us his rest, which we enter by faith and While Christians look forward to a heavenly rest in our next life, we can experience heavenly rest right now as we abide in Christ, who is our peace, our rest. The classic moment where Jesus points to this rest is found in Matthew chapter 11. We just heard that song a while ago by Matt Papa. But before I get to the key lines spoken by Jesus that I want to share, I should mention Christ is teaching before that about is coming to judge. And of course, he's speaking in the future with great ominous warning. Remember, he addresses people there on the north side of the Sea of Galilee where he performed most of his miracles. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Those are judgment words. He pronounces woe in the town he took on as his home, Capernaum. They didn't accept him for who he was. Up until now in his ministry, he wasn't the judgment preacher. He had preached the message of good news. He had performed acts of mercy and miraculous signs. But this is another portrait of who Jesus was and what he would do. He was letting everyone know he was the future judge of the world. And those who do not turn away from their sins, which many of the Israelites had not, would face this future judgment to come. But then we get to where I wanted to lead us. He abruptly changes course in verse 28. It's one of the most memorized places in all the Bible. I love these three verses. How many times morning and night I've been on my knees 
praying this passage, these words of Jesus. And I suspect you might have as well. But rather than just translate the Greek word into the English word rest, I want to share a full translation by a New Testament scholar. His name is Dale Bruner. Listen to the difference. And I think he's on to something here. By hearing it translated differently than how you've probably memorized it or recited it before, let it take on new and deeper meaning in your life. And don't worry, it's a sound translation. Come to me, all of you who are struggling and carrying too much, and I will refresh you. Don't worry, that's a correct translation. He keeps going. Here, take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and simple at heart and you will experience, here's the word again, refreshing deep down in your souls. You see, my yoke is easy to wear and my burden is light to carry. Dale Bruner didn't translate the Greek word as rest. He translated Jesus as saying refresh. And that's just as correct, but I think it brings it more alive to us today. Matthew does something special here in just a few short verses. He starts out as judge, but then he offers himself as savior. We need to hear both. He scolded those towns along the north of the Galilee where he had performed so many signs, miracles, because their lives had not changed You see, Jesus taught salvation. He offered forgiveness of sins to avoid future judgment. But he also offered something else. Relationship. Resting in him. It's for us all who are struggling and thinking we must carry all our burdens alone. Come to him. Lay on him your heaviness. Learn from him. Take his yoke of following him upon you. Once you sense and find this relationship, once you are refreshed and not just resting, once you know Christ and commune with him, you see he is gentle and simple at heart. Then, then you can experience refreshing deep down in your soul. The concept of resting or being refreshed in Jesus is found in a lot of places, just like David was telling us a while ago it exists so many places in the Pentateuch. It's in Hebrews 4. It's in Philippians 4. It's all through the Gospels. It's certainly in the Psalms. But here in three verses, towards the end of Matthew 11, I pray you will hear the gentle voice of Jesus speaking to you today. Find your true rest. Make peace with him. Refresh yourself today in Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my Take my own. 
look upon you and learn from me. You will find rest for your soul. You will find rest for your soul. This is Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, and that was another song relating to Matthew eleven twenty eight. That was Aaron Schust and his Come to Me. And David Wolin, this is not the easiest concept to unpack, is it? Mm-hmm. What we were doing today using this idea, this concept of, uh, of rest or getting refreshed. Yes, that's true. The The scriptures have so much to say about it. It's kind of like getting a, a small snapshot when there's a whole panorama to take in. But the concept of rest really does culminate so beautifully in Christ. Well, and it's times like this that I wish we were really preaching at a church service where we could have a full... I don't know, 40, 50 minutes to preach it through and and, and not just have a handful of minutes. But uh, it's so interesting how we've been hearing from people listening to the programs that you and I have been doing this week. One person, her name is Virginia. She wrote us and said she grew up in the church. She started listening to the program 11 years ago when she was out of college she had never really seen Christ in all the scriptures until she started listening to Haven Today. And so she just wrote us, and it was really encouraging to get her note. Seeing Christ in all the scriptures, these are her words, has truly changed my walk with the Lord, and I am forever grateful. So I want to just say thank you, 
Virginia, for sending those words to us. Well, Charles, that's exactly why we published this brand new hardback book. This is Christ in All the Scriptures. We've been talking about it all this week. It's a companion to reading the Bible through in a year, and it's designed to do the same thing that Virginia was talking about, to see Jesus throughout the Bible every day as you read and to draw you closer to Jesus. And, you know, we're not putting this book out to replace reading the Bible in a year. That's right. It's to go along with reading the Bible in a year. You know, every chapter contains an overview for every book of the Bible. We've included some suggested prayers, nothing wrong with written prayers. And then there are also some notes for every book of the Bible that'll help people who read to see Jesus from Genesis all the way to Revelation. For Haven, this is a first-of-a-kind resource for our listeners, and I love how this book has room to write notes on each page. We made sure that the designer left room for that. There's a ribbon to hold your place, which I've already found helpful, and I can honestly say that this is going to help you as you read the Bible through to take in what you're seeing and make sure that you're not missing the ways that it connects to Christ uh, all year long as you read. So... For your first of the year gift to Haven today, we want to send you Christ in all the scriptures, reading and praying through the Bible in a year. And here's a suggestion. Get a copy for yourself, but get another copy or multiple copies for others to study together, to encourage one another and to grow in Christ together. You can just go to our website and make your gift right away, but we've also included several days of reading so that you can get started even before you get your hardback copy of the book or books at your home. Here's our web address to go to right now, haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or you can certainly call us. The toll-free number is 800-65-HAVEN. 865 Haven. I'm Charles Morris. And I'm David Wollen. And thank you so much for joining us. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again together, we'll share the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your walk with Jesus, I'm David Wollen with Haven Today, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. I don't know about you, but it feels like the older I get, the faster the years go. It seems like only yesterday we were celebrating the arrival of 2023 and then here we are in 2024. It's a reminder, our time on earth is not as long as we may think. Psalm 90 was written by Moses as a reflection on eternity. He writes, God is from everlasting to everlasting. We, however, are not. And knowing that we are finite should change the way we live. Moses asks God in verse 12, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So be wise with the days you have left. Use them to love God and love your neighbor. Get daily encouragement with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.